0: Of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you, and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. As the man said, I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. Today, It's Tuesday, December 22nd, one of my favorite days of the year, because today is the winter solstice. One of my favorite days, not because it's the start of winter or because it's the darkest day of the year. No, it's one of my favorite days because each day now adds a little more light. Today's going to be a short show, not because I'm a last-minute shopper. It's because I'm a last-minute rapper. We all have things to do, right? We've had some interesting news since the last show. On Friday, the Fed, that's the Federal Reserve, said some of the nation's banks can resume their buybacks in the first quarter of 2021. That's just in a couple of weeks. You remember, the Fed reined in the dividends and the buyback programs because of the pandemic. They didn't want to take any chances. Can't say I really blame them. Now, there are some limitations as to what these big banks can do. They can't buy back more stock or pay dividends in excess of their average quarterly income for 2020. And I think this is something positive for the banks. And I think it's going to draw some focus to the cheap valuations that are actually in the group. A few analysts came out and pointed out that some of the banks could potentially buy back to 1% of their shares outstanding. JP Morgan turned around after the announcement and said, hey, we're, we intend to buy back 30 billion in stock. They don't have to, but that's what they announced. Morgan Stanley, they announced a $10 billion buyback. Goldman Sachs jumped in there, said they would resume buybacks in the first quarter. Citigroup came in and said, Well, you know, you guys are gonna do it. We're gonna do it too. We're gonna start doing buybacks between the first and the third quarter. Well, I started buying Goldman Sachs about uh symbol GS about a month or two ago. And course, we bought it in client portfolios too. We own that that, along with a few other banks. You have to understand every portfolio we manage is a little different because each client situation is a little different. So if I talk about a stock, just assume that I own it for myself and it's in the portfolios that I manage. That's just the safest thing to do. Now, speaking of banks, there's also talk that Wells Fargo symbol WFC, well, they could soon be free of the additional restrictions put on them back in 2015. So all around good news for the p- banks. And I think there are some some really good value there for long-term shareholders, things like Goldman Sachs, Symbol GS, uh, U.S. Core is one of my favorite banks, Symbol USB. They look attractive to me. And there's some other news out there that's come out, oh, today, that's stoked the fire under, uh, Apple shareholder symbol AAPL, which includes me, of course, Reuters is out reporting that Apple is moving forward with their self-driving car technology, and they're targeting 2024 for vehicle production. Imagine owning an Apple car. According to them, Apple intends to use its own monocell battery technology design that should lead to much lower costs, and increased driving range. Now, I have a lot of questions about this, like who builds the car? Understand, Apple has net profit margins around 20%, and I can't see anyone making 20% net margins building a car. If they're going to manufacture it, they're going to end up tying up a lot of capital and plants and parts, and most likely, this is going to drive down their margins. It's going to drive down their return on capital their return on equity. We'll we'll just have to see if any of this is true, but maybe Apple licensed their technology to somebody who wants to build the car. That's probably a better idea and a better return. They'll get a better return on their assets. Right now, Apple isn't a cheap stock by any means. If you look back over the last 10 years, Apple is traded at at an average of 14 and a half times earnings. Today, it's over 30 times earnings. So people are paying twice as much for a dollar of their earnings now than they used to. And I'm a very long-term shareholder of Apple over 10 years now. And I always thought at 14 times earnings, it was a steal. Early on, it made at least a little sense that it was cheaper than the average stock. Because they relied on selling a new product every cycle, they had to come out and sell the latest iPhone or the latest version of the iPad. You know, they were doing one-off type sales back then. As Apple's evolved, they started earning from more diversified, more steady revenue streams. Well, you know, like the, the cloud storage. You know, you pay a couple of bucks every month to store your photos pay a couple of bucks for the apps and so on and so forth. Investors pay more for that recurring revenue than the one-time sales. So you should pay up for predictability. And with reoccurring revenue, you have more predictability in your earnings. But I still think investors are struggling with what's the right price to pay for Apple. I consider Apple a core type holding. It's one that I'm going to have for a very, very long time. So if someone didn't already own it, I would go out and I'd buy half of what I want to own, and then I'd add to it over time when the market pulls back. Again, my expected holding period for a core stock is years and years and years. I'm not going to make a couple of bucks and flip out of it tomorrow. No, core stocks are ones that you own for years and years. Because those businesses aren't as cyclical as others. Core stocks aren't as cyclical as other types of stocks. Cyclical businesses have times when you want to own them and times that you certainly don't want to own them. It's like the home builders. They go through the boom and the bust cycles. Speaking of the home builders, I think that most, if not all, the good news is priced in there. You know, All the good news is low mortgages, low inventories, high demand. Work from home, all time highs on the overall housing sediment survey, all that good news. Well, let me skip over the economic reasons and let's take a look at it from an operating basis. Because you can, if you look hard enough, you can see some cracks starting to form there on the foundation. New home sales, while they're what you would call brisk in absolute terms, they're losing out to existing home sales. And in turn, the home builders have resorted to price concessions in order to drive their volumes. Price concessions. Well, then you also have profit margins. Profit margins are at the highest level since the subprime crisis. And those are vulnerable to getting squeezed because of their rising input costs. Think about framing lumber. Framing lumber comprises about 15% of a new home's commodity-related cost, not labor, but the cost of the the wood and the steel and whatever going in there. Lumber is 15%. And lumber prices have been going up all year long. Even though I think a few of these companies are well-run and they have better business models, better better than years past, this is still a cyclical industry. And right now, these stocks look a little too rich for me. Let me take care of some housekeeping. Next week, we're not doing a show. Probably no surprise to anybody. It's in between Christmas and New Year's. We'll be back January 6th. The following week, Wednesday the 13th, that's when I'm going to be doing my annual outlook. So that week, I'm skipping the podcast and we're just doing a webinar. It's during the lunch hour from 12 to 1. You do have to register for it. But we've made that pretty darn easy too. just go to our website, which is xmlfg.com. Look for the resources tab, and then you'll see the upcoming events there. Again, pretty easy to do. Let your friends know if you think that they'd be interested. The first half of this, I'll be talking about the big picture and what I think we have in store for us for the next 12 months or so. And then during the second half of the webinar, I'll be talking about specific ideas that I like and ones that you may want to take a look at, do your research on, and see if they're right for your portfolio. So that's January 13th, Wednesday during lunchtime. Just register at XMLfg.com. If you have any questions, you can always email uh, email me at podcast, which is plural, podcast at XMLfg.com, or even give us a call, 571-261-7670. One last thing, and I'll start to wrap this up, CarMax, symbol KMX, they released earnings this week. At first glance, they look pretty good to me, but the market doesn't think so. And they're selling that stock off. So if it gets under $92 or so, this is one I think you can buy. It's a high quality, love the business model. I think, again, under 92, I think you can buy it or add to it if you already own it. This is the last show of the year. I hope I was able to help you over the last 12 months, and I'll continue to do my darndest to help you in the coming year. I'd also like to take a minute to thank someone behind the scenes here, and that's one of our compliance officers, Sue. Sue's been in charge of reviewing the show and making sure I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. So by default, Sue is actually my most dedicated listener. And unfortunately for me, not for her, Sue is retiring. So I'm Losing my most dedicated listener. So, but Sue, so thank you for all you've done. I very much appreciate it and wish you the best. Okay, we'll see you in the new year. Don't forget to register for the webinar. Until then, remember it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. This is Eric Whiteman and this has been Common Sense Investing. Happy holidays and happy new year. listen to the show, now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up, it's the disclosures. The things I talk about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and are not necessarily those of the XML Financial Group. I typically own and trade the securities I'm discussing, both personally and for my clients, but not all of them. Likewise, employees of XML and our affiliate broker dealer may be trading and providing advice Regarding the securities I mentioned to their clients as well. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, you should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I suggest you get someone who's qualified in those areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, Diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. I like to make projections and other forward looking statements, which are just that opinions and are not actual results and are only valid as of the date of this recording things change constantly. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.